Wow, they got mine a little earlier than I expected. Uh, however, I have to warn you, if you think you'll get out early because of that, no. <laughs> Preachers being what they are. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's great to be here. Uh, been away for almost 50 years, but this is still home. Grew up a few years, a few miles down the road on a dairy farm, potato farm, and uh, yeah, this is still home, even though I don't get here much. I grew up here, came to Christ here, learned the scriptures here, and uh, boy, couldn't, couldn't be better. So it's so great. Uh, a little bit about myself, what I have done and am doing. Uh, as I said, I'm a missionary. Worked with the Evangelical Alliance Mission uh, team for 44 years, uh, 20 years in Austria. In Austria, we were doing church planting. My main job was training elders in three different churches. Then I came back to the U.S. in 1993 for family needs and settled in the Twin Cities doing uh, church relations work, and also worked out of our counseling department in team, uh, debriefing missionaries who are returning from overseas. For a number of years, I did all the readiness assessments of new applicants and working with them and uh, seeing if they're ready to go. And uh, then about a little over a year ago, we retired, uh, got out of that full-time ministry, uh, also, uh, some of you will know and uh, report, uh, I was chairman of the board up at Oak Hills Christian College. I was on the board there for 15 years, and we got brand new dorms built, really beautiful, a new president in place, and so I stepped down from that, but it was a great experience, and God met us in so many miraculous ways uh, there as we ministered. Some of the things that I'm doing now, uh, I work at the steering committee for the Midwest Conference on Missionary Care. It's held every year. We just finished our 12th annual at the end of February, and that has been a, a great ministry in teaching uh, missions committees and missions pastors how to care for the missionaries. I uh, also work with the Minnesota Coalition for Eastern Europe, uh, we have a thrift store in uh, Robbinsdale, which produces about a half million dollars a year for us to use in missions. We partner with uh, a number of uh, native missionaries in uh, Bulgaria, Romania, Ukraine, Czechoslovakia, Czech Republic, and uh, that, that's been a great ministry. And the last couple of years I've been consulting with a new mission, a small one that works in Ghana, West Africa, and they have established some real rapport with some of the chiefs there, the tribes, and they've been given 45,000 acres to use for discipleship and teaching farming and uh, all these things, and they don't have some of the uh, relationships that they need, so I've been trying to introduce them to people that I know down at Bethany College of Missions and over at Northwestern College, and 
or I guess it's University of Northwestern now, St. Paul. Uh, so that, that, that's been good. And we'll see what the Lord has. I often say, I still wonder what I'll be when I grow up. Uh, you know, you don't know what God has. Uh, in the church, I also teach our Stephen ministry, which is a lay care ministry. Uh, I'm just finishing it up. We've been at it for about three months now. We teach 40 hours on how to care for people who are in grief. Uh, listening skills, working with feelings, and lots of different stuff. So, trying to keep my hand in uh, to ministry. But good to be here with you, to be able to share the word. I was asked to talk about how to care for your missionary. Uh, so that's what I'm going to try and do, but it's going to apply not only to your missionary, but it's going to apply to the person sitting next to you in the pew. I'm going to talk about three different uh, characteristics, I would say, or values that we have to have if we're going to come alongside people. One of the first questions that someone might have is, care for our missionaries? Do missionaries need care? I mean, come on. They're superheroes of the faith. They got it all together. Why would they need care? Well, I'm here to tell you after about uh, 20-some years of working in this area, uh, they need it just like everybody else. I, I, I think sometimes of the verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. We might think that other people have it all together, and especially our missionaries, but sins are common among us. And Working with missionaries, I see all of them. Their marriages break up. There's infidelity. They can't get along with one another. They have different illnesses, mental illnesses. You name it, they've got it somewhere. The other thing about missionaries needing care is because of the stress. Uh, living in another culture, there's probably two to three times the amount of stress. You, you move in and you're trying to get along in another language. And languages are tough. And they have, they're at the heart of the culture. If you don't get the language well, you don't get the culture well. And to, to learn a language, when you're really good, you might progress to the level of a junior high person, if you're really good. A lot of missionaries, if they aren't gifted, will stay like an elementary school in their speaking. And that's tough. And you just don't understand what's going on many times. You move a lot. You don't have a home. Uh, Joanne and I moved about 25 times. 
around Europe, Europe to the U.S., back. If you've ever moved, you know, it's not fun. There's a lot of stress. And so when your missionary comes back on home assignment, they do need care. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about that today. One of the things we did at team when we would get an application, we would require the missionary to tell us who is your sending church. Now, that's not necessarily the church that's giving them the most money. It's the church that feels spiritually responsible for them, to care for them. And so if you have some, there may be some that you're giving some money to, but you don't feel spiritually responsible for, but your people, you need to give care. So I'm going to make three points today. First one, God's plan A. People are his ministers. Now some might think... <clears throat> that God's plan A is working directly. That God, the superior way is that God does a miracle. That's far superior to just what ministry I can have. I want to suggest to you that's wrong. That God's plan A is ministering through people like you and me. Starts with salvation. Look at our verse here, 2 Corinthians 5. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us To us, I repeat that. He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were, notice this, making his appeal through us. That's how God does it. So he said, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now, if you think back over your life and the times when you've been in a real difficult situation, how did God provide grace? Usually through someone else. Usually through someone else. I believe the scripture teaches us that God's delivery system of grace is other people in his body. And the same for the missionaries. If they come home broken, maybe having trouble with their marriage, whatever it is, I want to tell you, God is not going to go, and it's fixed in a miracle. It's going to take people 
coming alongside. And God's grace flows through us, that God wears us like his coat or what you know he he is in us and he delivers grace through us and this works because we were created for relationship if we are not in a love relationship we're going to get sick and you could even study this in human psychology as they studied people. They call it attachment theory. If you're not attached, if you're not connected, you get sick. It's the way it is. We have to have relationship. If we don't, what happens? This hunger grows in us for something. A hunger that is insatiable. And people try to meet it by drugs, a substance, sex, gambling, working 90 hours a week. We have this in us. And it can only be met by relationship. In the Christian community, what happens? Well, we can also do these things, reaching for drugs or whatever, but very often in the Christian community, what happens is we get into religion rather than connectedness. Just like the Pharisees. Religion is so much easier to do than relationship. Much easier. Well, you wash the cup a certain way, right? Can do that. Kind of a nuisance during the day, but yeah. We make ours too. You know, you gotta have your devotions every day, pray, give. Have a ministry. And those are good things. I recommend them. But that's not how God measures us. When God gets out his measuring thing, he measures it with love. How well do you love? Are you a good lover? How can you tell? Well, all I would have to do is ask my wife or my children. Can't hide it there. At church, I can. I've met a lot of people who have their devotions and pray and give and have a ministry that I don't enjoy being around because they're not very loving. Love relationships are messy because we live in a broken world. Love uh, is hard to do because it requires dying to self. 
and that's painful. We are the body of Christ. Paul writes, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I used to think, he was talking to me. Well, he is a little bit, but when I got into the German language, there were words for you. And I, I saw, that's a plural. So I got out my books. I thought, is that true in the Greek? Yeah. Like the southerner, you all, you all are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That when we're together, there's something extra. Yes, the Holy Spirit's with you when you're alone. But where two or three are gathered together, there am I in the midst, right? There's, there's something that God has going on because God's plan A is people ministering to one another, supporting, encouraging, lifting up, healing. Not healing on our own, but it's Christ through us that heals and this is something that we need to get a hold of and believe because I think many in the church don't think that God can use them. But we should reckon that God will use us with the gifts that we have. Peter writes in First Peter 4, if anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. And uh, when I speak, I think, oh. Speaking the very words of God. Do I reckon with that? If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. But I think there's a lot of reasons why we don't engage. We may not think that we are competent, that we can, that God could possibly use us. Another is to, as I said, relationships are very messy. And to move next to someone who's really hurting can be scary. I think of the example of Christ in the garden. He says, okay, where am I here? Yeah, there it is. Uh, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and watch. The Lord was looking for a relationship, and he had relationships. And he went... And he prayed, they come back, and the disciples are sleeping. He says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And indeed it is. To move into someone next to them who's weeping, and to accompany them through their sorrow. Uh, I can understand why 
they couldn't do any. The, the pain that the Lord was going through, how would you move alongside? Uh, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. But we need to grow in this area. We need to believe God can use me, he can use us as a body to help our missionaries. Some may counsel, some may fix the missionary's car, some may babysit for them when they're away on the weekend. But God's plan A is that you are his ministers. Let's move on to the second point that I'd like to make here. Acceptance. Acceptance into a love relationship. If you look at the verses here in your bulletin, Romans 15, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then, for me, the verse that pulls it together, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you through the praise of God, to the glory of God. Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you. So the person across this, we're, we're accepting into a love relationship to walk with them, to minister to them. Now, there's a problem here, of course. That other person is a sinner. When I was in my master's program, I met a guy, we became friends, and toward the end of our master's program, we would do six, 600 hours of internship. And ended up, his internship was at a place working with men who were pedophiles. I said, oh, I don't know. Can I accept them into a love relationship? And minister to them? How did Christ do it? That's what the verse is saying here, right? Accept one another just as Christ has accepted you to the glory of God. And if we're going to minister to people, that's what we need to do. But often, we don't know what to do with the sin. We can't just accept it. In our world today, of course, they think very differently than we do who believe the Scriptures, and they love to quote one of the verses out of Matthew 7, the first verse, right? Judge not 
lest you be judged, right? And then they think that means you can't tell anybody, you know, that's wrong. You're supposed to say things like, well, again, it's wrong for me, but, you know, if you think it's right for you, it's okay. Well, this verse is probably the one that's taken out of context more than any other verse in Scripture. Because if we read the passage, the first five verses of Matthew 7, we say, do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will be able to see clearly the room of the speck from your brother's eye. So, judge not lest you be judged does not mean that we can't recognize sin and point it out and confront it. But what this passage is teaching us, I've got a plank in my own eye. And so I approach you as a fellow sinner in need of the grace of God. I am not superior to you in any way, not at all. I approach you and I come alongside you as a fellow sinner. And this is really important if we're going to deliver God's grace. Because I need it too. And we must do this because relationships, good relationships, heal. They are healing. And it shouldn't be surprising because if we ask the question, what in the world went wrong in the first place? Why all the problems? It's a broken relationship. That's what caused all the problems. And so it stands to reason that the answer is a restored relationship. First with God, but also with one another. Because if we understand the working of the body of Christ... God is living in us. And his plan A is to use us. We can't heal. But if we enter in, we accept the person into this love relationship and work with what God has given us, the forgiveness and the grace, God heals And I've seen it time and time again. 
with missionaries. So we have to be willing to move into relationships. It takes two. Paul points this out in uh, 2 Corinthians 6. He says, We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and open wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you. You are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children, open wide your hearts also. So grace is available in God's body. But many times people are not available to grace because they won't open up. I don't want to share with you my weakness, my sin. I'm ashamed. But we need to do this. To be available to grace, there's a couple things that are very important. One, I must be known. And two, I must be fully loved. And it's often the known part that we stumble over. I think of... uh, the judgment seat of Christ, there's some things there that disturb me greatly. 1 Corinthians 3, 12. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, that I like, wood, hay, or straw, not so much. And then it gets worse. His work will be shown for what it is. Uh, I don't like that. Because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test the quality of each man's work. I, I used to think, why? Why would God shame me and bring that all, reveal it? And then I began to understand the concept of being known. And I think it's going to be a wonderful thing, actually. Because we're going to realize completely, God knew. He knew what I'm like. He knew my weakness. He knew my sins. But there's the other part too, fully loved. See, if I'm not fully known, I can always think, 
my goodness, if they knew what I'm really like, they wouldn't love me. But God knows. He's always known. And he has always fully loved us. And this is such an important thing, I think. Uh, Sin has to be brought to the light, to the grace. Law never healed anyone. We need to work on our sin. And I, I think sometimes people have the idea, okay, here's my sin, that big pile. And they think that separates me from the Lord. There he is over there, and the sin is in between us to be taken care of. Well, that's true if you are not in Christ and a Christian. Your sin separates you. But I don't think that's a good picture for those who know Christ. He's not over there. He's over here, right beside me. And he looks down, he says, yeah, that, that is a mess, all right. But when you want to work on it, I'm here. I'm here. I'm for you. When I do some counseling, in the first session, I want that person to walk out the door thinking, Dave knows, and he's for me. He's on my team. Together, we're going to work on this. So important that we approach it in that way. Acceptance. Accept into a love relationship just as Christ accepted us. Okay, thirdly, we should be listening and with love. James 1.19, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now we're talking about really patient, intensive listening. And your missionary needs that when they come on home assignment. For some to sit down with them in the evening, take some time. Having experienced this, many churches go about it this way. How many people did you lead to the Lord? How many churches did you plant? How many baptisms were there? And a very performance-oriented approach. And that's not going to get you very deep with your missionary. 
It'd be better if you said, tell us about your ministry. What were you doing? Tell us about some of the joys of your ministry. Tell us what were the hardest things for you. Tell us a little bit about your relationship with the other missionaries. Tell us a little bit about your mission agency. Tell us how living in another culture affected your family. What's it like to live as a family in this culture? A lot of missionaries now more and more are living in war zones, like Afghanistan, some of our people. Draw them out. Bring them into a love relationship. If we confront too much, not going to work. And that's not the way the Lord handles us. The writer of the Hebrews said, "For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet was without sin. One of the joys of the last years in the mission, probably 10 years ago we started this, we would form what we call restoration teams. So let's, let's take an example. We have a missionary couple become obvious that their marriage is on the rocks, that they're, it's just falling apart. And so we say, yeah, come home, come into your sending church, and we would work with the pastor, form a team of four, five, six people who are going to meet with this couple over the next year on a regular basis. And we would write up a growth plan. Okay, you got to confront sin. This is what's wrong. What's our plan to address it? Whether it's some books to read, maybe they're seeing a professional Christian counselor, whatever it is in the plan, but they're meeting regularly with their church, with these people have been chosen for their gifting. It was so great. Almost in every case, a year later, we were sending those missionaries back restored. Relationships heal if they're good, godly relationships. A few years ago, I was at a missionary care conference, and I ended up rooming with a missions pastor from a megachurch in the Milwaukee area. And one night after the meetings, we were talking about this, and I happened to mention we do these restoration teams. And he said, in my opinion, 
the best missionary is a restored missionary. And I thought, yeah. Because that missionary has experienced the grace of God in a very personal way. Has opened their lives up to others in the body and has experienced healing, which is God's way. Plan A. People are his ministers. And what a joy that is if we get this in our, in our vision. Uh, it's part of the gospel that we need to practice with our missionaries, but we also need to practice within the body of Christ here at West Cohasset and every other body of Christ across the world. Lord, we're thankful for your plan. We don't always understand everything, but we do understand the grace that you have extended to us. And we understand that you want to extend your grace through us to others. You want us to build relationships that are safe and healing. I pray that you will do that here at West Cohasset. I pray it in Christ's name. Amen.